Hey guys, uh, welcome back to another episode of the Good Vibes Only podcast. Uh, on today's episode, this is, I think, in my opinion, one of the more honest and open conversations and that we've we've had on the podcast, and we've had some great conversations. But I'm really excited about this one for a lot of reasons because I think oftentimes in the realm of podcasts, video, social media, books. We often highlight these things as things to motivate us or inspire us or get us through the hump or something. And oftentimes we don't really talk about the deep dive of what it means to push and to struggle and to grind and to really get our hands dirty in in creating work and creating discipline, but also just creating purpose for ourselves and how that can be a really long and discouraging road, especially through the idea of how we express that best as our self and as our individual. My guest on this podcast today is a gentleman by the name of Logan Gelbrick. If you're in the fitness industry, mainly you know in the CrossFit or strength conditioning or powerlifting industry, you might be familiar with this guy as the owner of Deuce Gym, Hold the Standard Summit, or Coaches Prep 101 in their coaches development program. Logan's been around the block as far as you know the ins and outs of who he's spoken to and his message that he's shared, but recently. He published a book called Going Right, and to me, it's really easy to get caught up in the big variety of options that are out there of listening to people who have a quote, plan unquote, to how we can be successful or how we can guide ourselves in the direction that means something and adds, you know, really tools and use to the purpose or the mission that we feel that we have. But in Logan's book and going through it myself and listening to him and getting to hear him speak about it, we really listen to someone who is coming from a place of identity in themselves and how they've seen objectively their own journey be something that isn't always pretty, but in the end is real and and serves a purpose. And so I hope when you guys listen to this episode today, and I don't want to really kind of take anything more away from it. I hope that you guys hear an individual who not only just genuinely has a heart for helping people realize what they're truly capable of if they just decide to make that the absolute risk and bet on themselves, but also someone who's been through the roller coaster and the transition of what it means to have to look yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, well, what's next for me and am I really actually giving myself the opportunity to do that or am I just believing maybe a lie that I've been telling myself so enjoy this podcast if you guys have any questions you can follow Logan um, at at functional coach on Instagram and pretty much find any content that he has out there you can also purchase his book going right on Amazon or pretty much any place place books are sold so enjoy this episode I really enjoyed the opportunity to speak with Logan uh, in his house out here in Venice, California. So thanks for listening. Um, all right. Uh, well, hey guys, you're listening to another episode here. We are sitting in the living room of a house in Venice, California. Uh, we're just down the block from your gym, Deuce Gym. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which uh, you said you've been here eight years. Gym for Jim's been here for six, but you've been around this kind of spot for eight years yeah the the gym has been at the location here at the corner for about six and a half years um 
it's been in existence for about eight. We started in the park, humble beginning, <laughs> you know. Um, I've more or less been in the neighborhood, so to speak, um, my whole life, but, you know, I think we can cut that life into two chapters. <laughs> there's like being a kid and then there's sure. like, uh, apparently I'm an adult now. Right. And so I came back here after some time in San Diego and elsewhere, um, going to school and, and playing sports sure. and stuff. Um, and for maybe just kind of like for just listeners sake, for most people who kind of don't know what you guys do, mm-hmm. um, obviously you're a gym, but I feel like that's obviously that's the obvious part, especially mm-hmm. if someone just rolls down the street and yeah. you know what I mean? But for you, like what's, what's the idea of what you, you think that you guys do? Yeah, of course we're a gym. Um, we sell fitness services, but it's funny, uh, as soon as you said that, I, I thought of specific language that comes out of my mouth at the whole standard summit, which mm-hmm. is, which is that, uh, we have no desire to compete, uh, in the gym business. Um, so the reason for, for going to, to do or to be involved in our community is, um, essentially to go to school. You're there to be coached. And so, uh, that's how we, we create value. Now, what that looks like is people are essentially participating in strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. The sort of bulk of our our community is enrolled in our general physical preparedness okay. program. And, uh, yeah, general people developing general capacities. Now, that sounds maybe not so sexy, but... You know, GPP is a relevant pursuit, regardless of the level of specificity of your, your goals. So that's our bread and butter. But, you know, Deuce is a, is a place to to go down the rabbit hole of powerlifting if you want, or weightlifting, or gymnastics, or strongman. And, and uh, there are a number of specialty courses like this that kind of round out the offering. Sure. But... In my head, what that thing is, is a, a school, uh, a university, so to speak, of movement, and yeah, it just so happens that people do some training along the way. <laughs> I think it's funny that you kind of say school, because now that I think about it as you say that, it very much so, like, like I feel like if you, like, for people who have maybe never been to this area which or whatnot, for anybody I feel like who's seen The Karate Kid... Like, it looks like a neighborhood where I could see, like, Danny LaRusso, like, in the, you know what I mean, <laughs> out there in the open, now that you say school, like, it has that feel to it. And why, like, you know, and I, like, I I have, like, really, there's no point in, like, I'm wanting to get into, like, what is fitness and everything on this, because people can go find that story wherever they want and more about you. But, like, for you, like, why, like, why, when did that become evident for you? Mm-hmm. For Not not even for your company, but, like, for you, like, when did that become evident for you that that was the tone, or that, you know, that was the tone or that was kind of, like, the core of why, of what you decided that that was going to be versus just, like you said, strength conditioning or another? Yeah, well... Uh, my answer isn't a popular one here, so I'm just not that compelled by fitness for the sake of fitness. Sure. You know, I'm just not. Um, the only reason why I ever found myself inside of a gym was to support this other very clear pursuit of, of, uh, 
you know, being an athlete and in my sport. And so, um, in that way, uh, I, my relationship with training was very like principled, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, we're doing this for this sort of higher purpose thing. Now, I'm not saying that's like better or like the right way to do it, but that's just sort of my story. Now, when my baseball career ended, you can't unknow the things that you learned along the way. So part of transcending what it is to be a baseball player would be now being the next iteration of myself. And, you know, without getting too far into the weeds on it, it's like, you know, I was a pretty blue collar type baseball player, you know, kind of a grinder is what, you know, you'd call that in the baseball community, which is just kind of a, someone who isn't particularly that gifted, but um, just has to work really hard mm-hmm. to, to do the thing. And so along the way, I had to, to adopt best practices, including how I train, you know. Now, that's my background. When I come out into this world, the regular, quote-unquote, real world, uh, you start to pay attention to things that are off your radar and you know straight up our, our country is very ill and we're, we have yet to really understand this health and health let alone fitness thing okay and so I just saw a disparity between what I knew to be true in terms of movement and nutrition and performance versus what I saw being sort of like uh, sold, sure. you know? And so that sort of like put me in a place where through some sort of passion or dissatisfaction, or maybe those are the same thing. <laughs> uh, probably, you know, probably one, they both probably come from the same thing. Yeah, I think that's the next book actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I knew that one, this was important, critically important to me and is critically important to the world that I live in. And that two, uh, I wanted to say something about that. Sure. And I think entrepreneurship is a great environment to say something, mm-hmm. you know, um, maybe I'm a dick, but like, you know, when you go to the, when you go to the grocery store or the, you know, the, the mall and you see the person like hey, do you got a couple minutes? I want to talk to you about a thing. I want to, <laughs> no offense to like, I'm sure there's a lot of great causes out there, but I just want to shake them and be like, you know, there's a better way, mm-hmm. right? Like sure. we have the internet, you can make something or you can create something to, to do this much faster, better, longer than like <laughs> bothering people when they're walking into the store, right? Um, but like you also said before, you kind of only know what you know at that moment, right? Yeah, you exactly. You only, you only know what you know. But, what I know now, <laughs> and, or what I believed then, sure. and what I for sure know now, is that uh, these are vehicles. Entrepreneurship, uh, any sort of difficult endeavor like this is a vehicle to, to take you someplace, and you can, you can create, in effect, change along the way. Yeah. And I think what's, uh, that kind of, I'm, I'm kind of glad you went that route, because I think that... Um, you know, one of the conversations that I keep having a lot and like, you know, whether it's with 
a young coach or it's, you know, even a conversation with my siblings as they're coming into adulthood and things like that. It's like, it's kind of like, it's like the paradox of progress. It's like you, as you progress farther into something, you realize the less you really actually know about that thing and the more questions you have to ask. But then like what you're saying with there was a better way, like the more specific questions you have to ask. Yeah, we we learn we learn how ignorant we really yes. are, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you need a certain level of understanding to see how much you don't know. And I think coming back to exactly what you're saying, back to like the whole gym and entrepreneurship thing with the vehicle, I think that, you know, the tree that you've been shaking as far as like the we'll say the gym owner side of things is that, you know, you've been kind of shaking the tree along the lines of that. We're not selling tickets anymore. You know, we're not selling tickets to a party. Mm-hmm. Well, like you're saying, we're selling education, and much like our normal education system, which is now so influenced by politics and money, it's like it's become the same thing in the gym industry. And and, and now that's transcended or leaked down into the coaches because um, we were Tom and I were having a conversation yesterday in the car, and you know he we were talking about like for me like I. You know, there's, you can throw a rock in any direction nowadays, in the, especially in the gym entrepreneurial space, and there'll be somebody that will tell you how you can get more people in your door, you yeah. know, or an option for that. But the reality of that is that when I've talked to more people in this industry, especially coaches, and I ask them, like you were, like you kind of use the word disparity, like why are, why are you so almost sad? Like, why are you so sad in the position you're in? It's like, well, I don't, there's no option for me to do anything and I don't know what to do. And when I look at like the realm of like the person who's driving that vehicle, so to speak, as you said, is that their efforts are put someplace else instead of into the system in which they originally set out to believe in. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of leads me into like my kind of my first question for you. So for, for people that are listening, um, Logan, you just released, when, when was the first, when was the release date of the book? The release date was April 4th, okay. um, so we're one month and one day from the release right now. Right, and so the book is called Going Right, and, and kind of, you know, I read a, I, I like to read, and I like to read mainly because, well, the first part of me is because for the longest time I didn't feel intelligent, so I thought reading would make me intelligent, mm-hmm. but what I learned along the way is that reading just taught me lessons, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And um, um, I realized that I was smart because I could learn from those lessons. So my first question for you, like, like, what parts of the book, and the book's called Going Right, if you guys, you can find it on Amazon, mm-hmm. pretty much anywhere a book is sold, yeah. you can find it, right? Yeah. What, like, what parts of the book, like, really pulled the most out of you? Like, what, you know, I, I read through and I can, like, you know, the first part of the book, you kind of talk about your experience in baseball, then you talk about the conversation with... Like John is what you call him on yeah, the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and as I was reading that, and you know, and and I could really tell that like the book like really took it, it, you pulled a lot of your real self out into the book. Like, yeah. but what part of the book do you feel like pulled the most out of you to actually put out there? Obviously, because writing a book, which we'll get to, is mm-hmm. a process in itself. But. Yeah, the 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 whole thing was was pretty difficult I don't want to sugarcoat that too much Uh, I also don't want to sound like I'm complaining but um, it really tapped me it really tested me and 
you know, I can give a couple specific technical ways here to answer your question. One specific thing that made this challenging was I knew uh, the truth of this argument uh, before I wrote the book. That's why I wrote it, which is that, just to take a step back. Well, yeah, sorry, the tagline of the book is a logical justification for pursuing your dreams. So if that helps for anybody that's listening, kind of put a context to it. But Yeah, basically I got out of baseball and realized that, oh, like the real world where all these people are quote unquote adults is, this is just my observation, mm-hmm. uh, gross generalization here, but, uh, I'm triggered. People are going to be triggered. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna be triggered. <laughs> yeah. Um, is a bunch of adults are scared. They're afraid. And the way that they see the world is like this. They have two bad choices. Mm-hmm. One choice, and this is one end of the spectrum is their idealistic life going for it, their dream, the thing that would make them uh, the, you know, their peak expression, you know? And that choice is, in their frame, extremely unreasonable. It's, it's very risky. It's insane. It's not really supported by anything. It is for other people to do, mm-hmm. exceptional, special people, sure. not regular people like them. And that's one choice which their belly is like, I really want to do X, but my brain is telling me like, whoa, let's cool our jets here. Let's, let's be smart about this. The other choice is I can be smart about it. I can like follow the thing. And it seems like in our socialized understanding of the world that there are some places that are safer than others, Mm -hmm. smarter than others, more reasonable than others. Certain jobs, certain places to live, certain people to date, uh, certain things to to fill your time with. And uh, it's a trade. I get some safety. I get some perceived security. uh, But I definitely know that I don't want that. (laughs) Okay. And so now I have two horrible choices. And now you get get to decide. Am I a crazy person? Yeah. Am I evil Knievel? I'm just going to roll the dice and go for it and be uh, unreasonable or am I going to be smart and safe and just sort of kind of hate my life man okay so I figured if I could write a book that objectively like put the emotion aside objectively showed you that pursuing your peak expression was the most reasonable most utilitarian choice you could ever make for yourself then I'm sort of using their 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 um, their strategy against them, so mm-hmm. to speak. Right. Where yeah, you could totally give it up and quit and relinquish responsibility for your best self, but you could no longer tell me that you were smarter for having done so. Or happier. Or happier. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, one technical challenge of the book was, in my life, I saw that anecdotally. To be true, mm. because because you've done that for yourself. I'd done that for for myself once right. in one area of my life in pursuing this baseball thing. I mean, it was like plan A only, all eggs in this basket. Every decision in my life uh, supported in my mind: will this make help me 
realize this dream of being a major league catcher. And to put a backstory to that a little bit, you said in the book that you were about nine when you made that decision. And you said that you said that out loud, and then your dad, your dad, kind of was like, "You know what that means, right?" Yeah, uh, I mean, I said nine in the book. I mean, I, I don't remember a time Either where I didn't way, want but, this. But, I mean, but yeah. so I, I'm, I'm basically saying that so that people can put weight to the fact that, like, yeah. you made that decision early on. It's the earliest decision I know I've ever sure. made, kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, we're talking like 20 years of pursuing this singular thing. Now, if we go back to the framework that I believe everyone's sort of following in their decision-making, that's sort of like, from the outside looking in, I'm choosing to do the crazy thing. Mm. It's unreasonable, it's probably not gonna happen, it's risky, um, but, but it would be great, wouldn't yeah, it? Right. Oh my gosh, if it really works out, the dream comes true, okay? And then, by this definition of this broken-ass mental framework, is that I'm giving up any sense of uh, security or um, reasonable uh, utility in doing so, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, I'm basically digging a hole for myself. Right. And what I knew to be true was that the day that my baseball career was over and I went out into the to the real world, so to speak, that I was playing, this is gonna sound egotistical uh, and judgmental, but as my experience, uh, I felt like I was playing amongst amateurs. Mm-hmm. Everything feels easy to me sure. compared to that. And so uh, it didn't matter. I didn't know what I wanted to do uh, with my life specifically, mm-hmm. but it didn't matter because generally I was fit for, because of all these transferable skills, right. uh, for the next thing, the next iteration. And so what I've sort of put together here is that if you pursue your your peak self with the vulnerability that I'm talking about that would you know demand the best out of you uh, sh- yeah surely you risk failure and losing etc but the myth is that there isn't that same type of uncertainty when pursuing this sort of safe route quote unquote which is kind of where you kind of laid out like what Will Smith had talked about with plan A versus plan B, how kind of having a plan B is basically you're basically bending the knee to the idea that you're not actually capable of what you want to be capable of. Yeah, you're sort of hedging your your bet against, you know, plan A. And and it's I think we understand logically where that comes from. Yeah. It's us trying to like save ourselves. But I mean, ask yourself this, like for the people that are listening, are you really that good? Mm that you could sorta kinda try your best and accomplish this insane thing. Like give it 80% and still make it. I have never met that person who's (laughs) that good. Will Smith isn't that good. And he is incredibly talented and has earned all sorts of uh, skills and attributes that make him valuable in his industry. Uh, Even he is like, I can't afford to give less than, so what are we even, this is not a real thing. Right. and so, yeah, I, I, I'm sort of pointing to the utilitarian advantage to giving your best effort. Um, I talk about this in the summit a bit, and this is relevant, but 
a bit of a tangent conceptually, which is that many organizations are built in low performance ways. Mm -hmm. And most people will say again, this is like the most judgmental blog of all, or uh, podcast of all time. Uh, <laughs> most people that are going to a quote unquote regular job may, uh, understand what I'm saying right now when a lot of people go to work and they do two full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. One job is the job that they get paid their paycheck for. And the other job is to cover up and pretend like they have no weaknesses. Right. Like I'm not going to get found out. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want anything to go bad. I just want to like do good, go home, and, and no one will know that I'm actually really insecure about my communication skills with authority or, or whatever the thing is, right? It's the belief that like the like that like you're saying is we have a we have a society that believes that the minimum as long as we meet the minimum standard, we're we're clearing under the tape. We're not bringing attention to ourselves. Yeah, and and which and is a miserable feeling. It's a miserable feeling. It's a miserable place to be. Also, and this is always my bias, is to go to the utility of it. Imagine a company that is full of that type of behavior. <laughs> At what level is that company performing? Yeah. And so I, I love to, to you know, lean on my background or look to other environments that are edgy, you know, that are fringe. Abrasive. Um, really, where the consequences yeah. are higher. Yeah. Because you can't win Super Bowls with that mentality right you, you don't go to war with that mentality right <laughs> no okay yeah. so so in a corporate setting so to speak we've insulated ourselves enough we've created these fake sort of uh, safety measures to where we can all get together lock arms give a 60% effort hope to God we don't get in trouble and convince ourselves that we're just being smart about that right. which I think is like you know when you look at, you know, I was on my flight out here, I was listening, Jordan, Dr. Jordan Peterson was, I was listening to his lecture on Cain and Abel and in the Bible. And he was talking, he kind of was almost talking about exactly what you're saying is that, you know, when you look at Cain and Abel, it's like, what, why did, you know, like, why did Cain, what was so different about Cain and Abel? Like, why, why was one angry and sad and commit, you know, kill his brother? And the other was so happy and so devoted. And it's because, you know, Abel knew that he had to give his 100% into something. And Cain didn't want to because he was scared of that. And so what did it build? It built resentment. It built depression. It built stress. It built anger to a point where he was so freaked out that he killed his brother. And then once he killed his brother, he realized his brother was doing it the right way the whole time. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, my God. You know what I mean? And so it was... You know, and kind of in reading your, it was funny because I was literally, literally listening to the podcast and then I stopped and was continuing to read your book. And, you know, and, and I think that for me, like when, when I, you know, because my, where, my, where my heart lies, my heart lies with, you know, I want, I want to coach coaches. Because like, mm -hmm. I, I realized that for me, I don't know if I, I think I didn't hedge my bets early on because, I, well, I am an extremely egotistical person and that's come with its all kinds of different stripes mm -hmm. which you know which you I'm sure you or anybody who's listening who's been in that position has gone through like for me it's it's gone through like me breaking my own heart time and time again but what I see is that exactly what you're saying and, and this doesn't even just relate to the coaching industry 
you know, it relates to everything that has to do with the choices that we're making for mm-hmm. ourselves is that I'm so sad and I'm so, it's so heavy. It's so heavy to see a world. I, I look at my siblings and, you know, they're in their mid twenties and coming into their early twenties. And I see that, like, I see the hedges that they're starting to build mm-hmm. and I'm just like, no, like, let me tell you, let me tell you how sad that story is. Mm-hmm. Um, not so that I can tell you that you're doing it wrong. You know, but that I can tell you that I don't want you to be set up for a life of, you know, what does General Patton say that uh, anything worth doing is overdoing, mm-hmm. moderation is for cowards. Mm-hmm. Like, but yet we think that that, like you're saying, we think that that's only for superheroes. Like that that statement. Why for yourself? Like in your experience, you know, coming from collegiate baseball to professional baseball to now working in a professional industry. Like, where have you seen that statement ring the most true? You know, I think. Uh, I, I've come to understand what you're saying when I observe high-performance people and observe high-performances uh, because there is a certain level of failure and dissatisfaction attached to these sort of peak expressions. And you can't unknow that. Uh, I think if you never try anything uh, with a level of vulnerability that, that looks like your best effort, you can start to build up a, a faulty view of the world. And that view is that, well, I'm a regular person mm. who, when I try things, it doesn't quite work out, at least not to the way that I imagined it. And to me, that feels like failure. But when I observe other people, people that I admire, people that are successful, uh, they try things and it really works, right? They're able to do greatness. Whereas when I try things, it looks and feels like this. And so there's this like separation where there's like, I'm regular, those people are special. And it's, it's because, I, I've been talking about this often recently, it's because we don't really understand Risk. We don't really understand excellence. We don't really understand uh, failure well because, and this is going to sound bizarre, but stay with me, we, it's because of how we perceive time. Okay? My experience of my life went in order, just mm-hmm. like your experience okay. went in order, correct? Yeah. So, so I was born and then I was little and I got a little bigger and then I went to elementary school, middle school, high school, etc. And along the way, I can't unknow that process. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so the, the way I recall my experience is I am an expert in my failures, my shortcomings. Like, these are all top of mind. Right. I know them quite well. Right. So I tend to play up my understanding of failure. Whereas... I just met you today. Mm-hmm. So my experience of you is in reverse. Right. You're a successful guy, traveling around, you own a business, you have a podcast. I, I have no concept of any of your failures, right? Mm-hmm. So we look to external success and we can't fully understand the story. And the example I just wear out in this, this explanation is, you know, how many times have you heard that Michael Jordan got cut from his basketball team? Right. We've yeah. all heard that story. Yeah. And the reason why we tell the story is because we want to share 
hey, look, like, great people failed and, like, got up and tried again. Right. But that doesn't do the thing that you want it to do because the reason for telling the story in the first place is Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. Right. That's not how he experienced it. Right. When he experienced that, he saw a little paper on the wall in the gym and it said, Michael Jordan is not on the damn team. And he went home not knowing the future. In that moment, it was real failure, real Mm -hmm. uncertainty. He didn't know if he was ever going to play ever again. He probably bawled his eyes out. And... And we, from a distance, get to say, isn't it so cute that the greatest guy of all time got cut from his high school basketball team without the ability to unknow how the story ends, right? right? You don't get the benefit of knowing how your story ends. Right. So right now, today, you are stuck with reality of, man, like, I try some things and they don't go so well sometimes and I tried my best over here and it fell flat on my face, right? Meanwhile your experience of all these people that you meet for the first time, mm-hmm. like your perception of me is completely untrue. Right. Right? Yeah. You think I'm like this person who accomplishes all this cool stuff and like just do wrote a book or whatever. Like what mm-hmm. you don't know is that like uh, that book is, yes, uh, maybe it's an amazing accomplishment. It was like a bestseller thing and like did some stuff and I get like messages all the time how it helped me and uh, how it helped people and it's changed our lives. Uh, you also don't know that like there's like 66 typos in there and uh, it makes me want to cry that like this thing never ended and sure. took three and a half years and I emptied my bank account three times to make it happen and uh, it's like challenged and, and ruined like major key relationships in my life and like you don't see any of that. You're like this dude crushes it. What else can he do? Sure. Right? And so uh, what I'm saying here is since we don't understand the truth of what's happening here, we play up other people's success, uh, we play down our success and play up our failures, we begin to create this separation where excellence is for other people and then regular life is for me. And I think what's so crazy about exactly what you're saying is that, and I, and I think that, because I'll, I'll be... Um, almost 29, which is not old at all, um, you know, but I think, it, like, when you say about time, like, I think about when I was 25, 26, I thought that was old, and I thought I was failing, because, like you were saying, as I was looking at this timeline, as if it was, like, instead of looking at, you know, it's funny that, like, if we really think about time, how do scientists view time, the space-time continuum, time never ends, time isn't relevant, hey, we're always thinking about how can we warp through time, things like that, but yet when we think about it as a human being, like you're saying, we think about it as death. We think we're born, do all the shit that you can try to do before you die, hopefully along the way you find purpose or happiness. And I think that when I was probably about 26, um, you know, I was no longer in the mil- you know, going to be in the military, I, the career that I thought, I thought that I was, you know, at the moment that I was going to be capable of wasn't a reality for me anymore. Um, I was coming into an industry that I, you know, I was familiar with the fitness industry my whole life because of my father, but I came into the fitness industry thinking that it sucked and I thought it was boring and I thought that coaching was boring because I have to deal with people. And then I look at it and I was like, this is, I've literally like, I've run out of time, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then, and it, which kind of, and I kind of like where you went with that because I've bookmarked a couple things here because 
I think one of the things that I really liked in um, trying to go back here is kind of like what you're saying about the when you talk about purpose and you talked about invention into uh, innovation. Um, I'm gonna lose it. Where is it here? Um, kind of exactly what you're saying. So like. One of the things I like that you said is, and uh, I'm, you know, for anybody who's listening, I'm, I'm reading this. Um, if you have the book, this is on page 44. It says, purpose, however, is not motivation. It is not, an emo- or it is not an emotional tug of heartstrings. Long and arduous pursuits require discipline, which is the ability to continue without the presence of motivation. It is the longer lasting, more reliable source for going the right, right decision making. It's your connection to the purpose that will transcend surface level drivers like motivation, external praise and reward. So I think about what you're saying with time. And right now we are in an age or we're stuck in a weird position right now in society where everything is about what's what's motivating you to get where you are, which I hate. Like I, I hate the word motivation um, because to me motivation was a say it was a sacred word to me because of what I put behind it. Mm-hmm. I like for me for a long time it was like, well, the motivation is don't die. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And now it's like this is the thing. So when when you're saying what you're saying with that, like where do you feel like people to dive deeper into what you wrote there? Like where do you feel people in viewing time for themselves, where are they missing the mark on that on on understanding purpose? Well just like Michael Jordan, like he probably in that moment when he didn't make the team he realized that his purpose was to now make the fucking team. Yeah. You know? Emotion uh, is fleeting, and it comes and goes. You know, we, we can change your emotional state instantly. I can I can tell you some bad news, and your day will change sure. instantly. Right. Uh, I can tell you some good news, and it can move the other direction. So it's, it's quite flimsy. And so it, it's written there because, remember, the, the rigorous nature that I intended to write the, the book in must stand up. It must it must uh, endure um, and be in a lot of ways uh, best practices for, for decision making in your life. And if that's the, the rigorous nature that I'm trying to hold myself to, then I can't write a book that just inspires you. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's like the language I use a lot is like the pep rally. Mm-hmm. Okay, the reason why, and I'm not downplaying or poo pooing uh, emotions, I'm not saying we should remove them from our lives. Um, all I'm saying is that most everything that we really truly want, our best expression of ourselves, is just a little bit further than any emotion could last. Mm-hmm. Okay, and whether that's whether that's uh, you know I'm trying to do this triathlon next year, uh, I got to train for it. I want to PR. Okay, the like feel good thing about that that gets you to write that on paper or to get gets you out on that first training run uh, will come and go before the gun goes off on that day, and so. Uh, I wanted to remove the emotional propulsion system to go out and, and do the things that we really want with our lives because I know that it's too flimsy to kind of stand on. Right. Right. And this is the difference. That and it's I'm, circumstantial. Exactly. Yeah. And then that, so that's the difference that I'm saying between something like motivation and discipline. Right. Uh, if the only thing that gets you to take action is motivation, 
I just know that that's a fragile system, right? This is where, where purpose... There's so many tra- variables. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and purpose uh, transcends that. Um, and so the language I use around this is like the pep rally. Like, mm-hmm. fuck the pep rally. <laughs> you know, sure. if, 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 it, if all it took was uh, some external motivation, then you would need to listen to one rah-rah speech to go for it and be your best and we'd be set we'd all go out and be whatever we want to be in mm-hmm. our lives you'd, you know I say like you could rock, watch a Rocky Four once and we'd be just killing it you know <laughs> we'd all be millionaires right. and like you know the pep rally never won the football game that's right yeah. and so let's not even go there and fantasize that and let's look at what is it that that will burn a little bit brighter longer better as a fuel as a propulsion mechanism to do these hard things and it's it's purpose it comes down to something that will stay with you regardless of positive or negative emotion and i think that you know and i think that what i have realized for myself is because you know for me and 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 saying that I want to you know I'm going I'm not I don't even say I don't even try to say want to well like I I am a coach I do coach coaches and I that is what I'm going to continue to do that is my purpose is to um, take my failures and, and and create value to other people from that and I think that a lot of times when I try to think about purpose in my own life or like what you're saying is that. And I, and I think maybe what's hard for people to sometimes disassociate the two is that when people feel motivation or they find motivation in something, it's usually because in that instance, the idea of something feels tangible or a lot of times with purpose, purpose is a, you know, it's the, you know, it's the road to perdition. Like it's, it's full of the idea that, man, I'm like, I'm going to have to work every single time to get there. Mm -hmm. And I think like coming back to where you were saying with like the plan A versus the plan B, if I look at plan B, yeah, motivation will probably get me through the day because, oh, I get paid on Friday, um, drinks on Saturday, where purpose means like what you're saying about the book and your bank account. I was like, well, here's round number two of dumping out my bank account, but I know that there's a purpose to this thing. Mm And then, and I think that that kind of plays into then what you were starting, you know, what you wrote about invention versus innovation. And I kind of, almost, and, 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 and for anybody that gets the book, there's also a short paragraph in there with, and maybe this is even more important to say first is, is you, you go through immersion. And I think that what's hard about motivation versus purpose is that you don't have to immerse yourself in motivation. Like you're saying, throw on a podcast, Mm -hmm. watch a fucking YouTube compilation video. But the real idea with immersion and how I feel like it's the vehicle can be the vehicle for purposes that, you know, the idea of that, okay, well, if I want to learn how to swim, I probably have to get in the water, Mm -hmm. you know? So for you, when you look at immersion and, and, and you look at, and, and, and we'll use, we'll use coaching just because we're, you're kind of, you're, you're really in, in that space. But like for you, when you look at, you know, we'll talk about like your hold the standard, you know, mm-hmm. your coaches prep one-on-one and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you feel like you are helping coaches understand, okay, well now I figured out what purpose is. How do you feel like people are, can, what, what, what do you feel like you can give people to help them understand what immersion really means and how that is actually going to benefit your purpose just as much as then your motivation? 
Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're in an interesting time, and uh, we are able to communicate and share information better than ever before. And that is a, an advantage, it's a strength, it's a beautiful thing beyond measure. I think there are things possible today that, uh, you know, can potentially change the world for the better in ways we've never seen. Awesome. Now, part of the, the shadow of that, if we are willing to look there, is that today more than ever, we can get a, a little uh, hypothetical, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but it's like... This podcast only matters if people do things yeah, with absolutely. it, right? Right. And there's a thing, like you said, throw on a podcast, read a book, you know, uh, listen to a spiel. Uh, great. Yes, do it. Listen again, you know. Uh, but... If you don't immerse yourself in the work, it will stay hypothetical forever. And we're in a time right now where, you know, authorities and thinkers can get together and just sort of postulate and and theorize and evangelize on these things. Um, and unless we bring our feet back down to the ground and get to work on something, then it will stay uh, theory forever, you know. and. When you talk about like the book or you talk about coaching, there's a tendency that we float up into the clouds a little bit, right? Because because of our ability to communicate and share and social media and all these platforms. And there's this constant reminder that, hey, the things that you're trying to accomplish are going to be accomplished with dirty ass hands, Mm. like in the thick of it, okay? And so, this um, coaching or coaches prep thing or the coaches development conversation is I'm aware of this tendency yeah. that if I'm not careful this is going to be about uh, coaches and leaders getting together talking about uh, ideas a bunch mm. and that's important that's part of it right. but one thing that makes coaches prep incredibly unique is that we have built this thing in a way that drives adaptation. It's not about just gathering information, talking about the reps and sets and the methods, okay? At some point, you need to be in the environment with two feet on the ground, and it's gonna be stressful, and it's gonna drive you to a place that you're not yet capable of operating in. And that is immersing yourself in the act of development. Uh, and and that is the signature of um, a program that is not theoretical. Mm-hmm. We don't uh, we get no results from theoretical. Right. We need right. skin in the game here. We need to actually um, become the coach that we're like seeking to become. And that's not going to happen in your head. It's not going to happen by, like, listening really intently. It's not going to happen by, like, taking beautiful notes. <laughs> it's going to happen in the driver's seat of being a coach in an environment that is particularly stressful in the ways that we need to drive adaptation for you. And even, and even though we're just saying coaching like that applies to everything, um, you know, like Brett Bartholomew, um, you know, he talks about how he always finds it so confusing that we periodize programming, but we don't do that to our career. 
or we don't do that to uh, the application of what we want for ourselves. Like we know like, hey, if you do a 12 week strength cycle, these are, and, and you break it up to this and you show up every day and you just do it. Well, yeah, we know we're gonna get stronger. Mm-hmm. Well, why is it so hard for us to have, you know, it's like, why is it so hard for us to have that conversation with ourselves when the reality is, is that almost everything else we do in human nature is task oriented. Mm-hmm. You brush your teeth, you'll have clean teeth. Mm-hmm. You know, you eat, um, Breakfast, you're gonna, you know, you're feeling your body, but yet when we look at the idea of pursuit, like you know, or you talk about in the book, you you know, you you you're using the phrase going right all the time. That you know, you say the method of going right or the idea of going right, and it's this idea that I think to me is the most confusing part that I'm at now is because I listen to people talk about well, I just feel like I don't like I don't know how to get here, I don't know what to do, and it's. And I was there, I, I was, you know, I was there. I was like, well, like why is, and I think for me and my personality, like I almost looked at it in like a way that I was kind of like more angry. It's like, well, why, I know that I'm smarter than that person. Why is it that they're successful, but I'm not. But then like you're saying, when I was able to look into this, the story of their timeline, I was like, oh, he went bankrupt, mm-hmm. you know, before he was successful or, mm-hmm. oh, wow, she, you know, she went through a divorce before she found happiness mm-hmm. or all these things. And then I go, okay, so the immersion of where I think that anger lies is actually just the anger with myself to the fact that I'm not going in the trenches just like that person did, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that, you know, that's where now when I hear younger coaches bring up this, the frustrations or just anyone in general, that's the first kind of question I always ask them is like, well, what, um, what have you been bad at? Yeah. I mean, uh, there are a lot of young coaches that know a lot. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're technically proficient. I mean, more, as an industry, uh, as much as we want to talk trash about it and like point out like how jacked up it is, which it is, um, there are more people today yes. than ever before that are technically proficient in the methods, methodology, movement, biomechanics, etc. Uh, far and away, like exponentially mm-hmm. more equipped in this technical manner, but. Uh, this is the mistake of assuming that it's through this sort of technical endeavor that you're going to solve your your challenges, your your limiting uh, beliefs and your limiting um, abilities uh, by you know learning how the shoulder works. This is not your fucking problem. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you have massive blind spots about your ability to show up in the world like can you lead are you accountable uh where do you start acting funny mm-hmm. you know where where is it that your follow-through breaks down i mean you got people that can recite super training or freaking <laughs> that's supple, a lie because that thing is so hard to read or supple lever <laughs> yeah. or whatever you're right. like yeah. fanboying on right uh but you can't get your shit together like right you can't see that the rest of your life is completely holding you back from your ability to affect change and lead other people. But you think that because some other guy who has more money than you or a bigger gym or some sort of bigger following, uh, that doesn't know about, you know, the, you know, speed, absolute speed strength continuum as well as you do that you're like 
uh, feeling some injustice. That's not what this is about. Mm. This is about adaptation, and you need to be a bigger, more capable version of yourself. And by the way, that bigger, more capable version of yourself is not reading another strength book. It's looking at the parts of you that are limiting. And that's kind of where I, I think that about two years ago, that's where I finally found myself is that shout out to my wife because my wife's a boss. But, you know, she I was starting to get really frustrated kind of in that manner, in that realm. And she basically one day she's like, bullshit. She's like, you said that you were going to get up at 5 a.m. every day this week. Mm-hmm. You got up at nine yesterday. Mm-hmm. She's like, fuck what you're saying. Mm-hmm. She's like, she's like, I believe in you. And she's like, you're, you know, you're in the moment. She's like, you're one of the smartest coaches I know. Mm-hmm. She's like, but your follow through sucks. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, damn, you know, like, okay. And like, and then that's like what you're saying is that that immersion part of it, you know, and then maybe even saying into the invention and innovation part of it is that I realized that if I want to be successful at anything, my marriage, relationships, um, my faith, you know, serving others, um, offering opportunity through being able to teach others. Like I have to look at the fact that this is, this is a revolving door, you know, a revolving door of chaos, but chaos in a way that I shouldn't be afraid, but chaos in a way that like you're saying is that, yeah, what, like, when do I start to get cranky? Like at what point in the day or what things or when do I start to shy away from a situation because I don't like how it makes me feel. It's like, okay, well instead, like you were, like you had said before, like about war, like you don't just show up mm-hmm. for war, mm-hmm. you prepare, you know, and it's a point in where now as I hear younger coaches or I hear people that want to be successful in an industry, come back to the first question I was asking, I was like, what do you, what do you suck at? Mm-hmm. You know, which I know for you guys, like negative feedback is a big part of that. And so this is kind of, in closing, kind of the last question I kind of wanted to pose for you, and, and you can, you know, answer this how you want to answer this, obviously, but in this last year, because I think that, um, you know, whether you've been able to admit that for yourself or not, like, you've really brought yourself to a forefront of people, people now really start to see you as a teacher, you know, and I, and I think that whether that was self-orchestrated or not, however you want to identify that, but for you in this last year, like, what has been the scariest part what is what has really scared you in this last year of those own journeys? Because I'm reading the book, it's it's very evident to me that this isn't just another um, five steps to success book. Mm-hmm. Like this, if anything, this is like almost an obituary to the old Logan and, and kind of like and now an epilogue of like what what is coming forward from that. Like for you, what is terror? What what about yourself within the last maybe year scared you the most, and and how did you go about either facing that or growing through that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in a very um, transformational period of my life. Uh, one that I don't know what it looks like or how I come out on the other end. Uh, it's been a scary last couple of years. I mean, uh, let's say uh, not full transparency, but some level of transparency. Like I've I've more or less lost my mind at mm-hmm. a certain part in this process. Uh, I am battling and was introduced to the, the, the big D word like depression for the first time. Um, and I was really sort of in over my head on how to, to navigate 
everyday life to the point where I didn't really know how I fit in on that, if I wanted to fit in on this whole thing anymore. Um, and, and that is as, as heavy as I could imagine it ever being. And, you know, I think we're, we're doing some work now to, to dig into this developmental conversation, which I think, uh, includes, yes, the upside of development, transcending and including your, your old self. But the, the truth of it is like, you know, strengths and shadows. One of the shadows of that is like this developmental, to coin it, you know, a little bit with Dr. Miller, who y'all just met mm-hmm. earlier. It's like, there, there may be this thing, like this developmental depression that happens there where um, you can't unknow your own development. And I was reflected back to me that like my life was largely incongruent and it's been insanely painful um and so that's that has has scared me to death uh to the point where it's like i don't know how i'm gonna get out of this Mm -hmm. i really don't and um it's really shrunk down my my focus um in good ways i think if i have a bias it's like this performance-oriented, live-in-the-moment kind of thing, which, which uh, now, like for my own survival, I can't get too far ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's been that's been scary. Um, seeing a version of your life that you never could have imagined before, right. and so um, again, the, that's the downside to not being able to predict your timeline of where you're going to end up. Totally, but also. Who am I to complain? That's right. the game we're all playing. Yeah. And and maybe maybe uh, my experience of my life is just um, I was introduced to something, some uncertainty uh, that most people learn much earlier in their life. Sure. You know, right. a pretty sweet, cush life. Mm-hmm. You know, did a lot of, like awesome things and didn't really have to deal with too much real adversity, plenty of, like fake adversity. Uh, and so this last couple of years has shaken me up, you know, and, um, so I'm trying to welcome that, but it has been honest to goodness fear. And I think that it, what you're saying is back to kind of what I said earlier, that's the weird paradox of progress is like that you get to this point to where it's like you're you know, I think oftentimes that like when we use, you know, you, you hear people talk about being either reactionary or reflective and, you know, whatever, you can be preemptive about it. You can do whatever you can, you can whatever. But I think that, I think the deeper part that I've saw, seen for myself and, um, you know, I'm actually, I'm, I'm happy for the, that you've dealt with depression. Mm-hmm. It's something I've dealt with most of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I, and I say that in a way that I'm happy for you because I'll never know what that's like for you and I don't it, I don't need to and I never will and that doesn't matter but the fact of the matter is is that now you've 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 been given a an, a vision of the other side mm-hmm. a vision of the the well that that is that's so easy to stay in mm-hmm. and there's and we live in a world that's so easy to say okay it's okay like mm-hmm. it's okay mm-hmm. you know but I think that the, the the upside to depression or at least what I've experienced for myself um, you know 
whether that's been through the medication I was prescribed or that when I made the choice in my mid-20s to get off of it is that I had a choice for myself. And I think that, I think these choices also transcend to like the growth that you've been talking about and the growth you talk about in the book is that, you know, I hate the word enlightenment um, because it's because of buzzword, buzzword, but you come to a moment of realization for yourself where it's like, this is not a dark sweater that I have to wear, mm-hmm. but instead it, it's now, it's a, it's a book that I am being given that mm-hmm. allows me to, ref, you know, to, to grow into a new thing. And I think that nothing in my life has ever put my life into perspective, like the way working through depression has, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think in the industry that we live and work in and, no, I wasn't a professional baseball player and then going into something else, but, um, you know, I come from a privileged Midwest um, upbringing where, you know, we, I really never was in need of anything because, of, you know, thank, thankfully I have parents that um, love, love me, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But I think that just like what you're going through, you've been going through is that it's the idea that just like walk Michael Jordan walking up to the piece of paper and saying that your name is not on the list, I think that a lot of times that is the choice that you have to make, is it like coming back to your purpose? Mm-hmm. Like how how is this to going to derive your purpose or will this take away from your purpose? Yeah. So but well, I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, I know for maybe anybody that's listening that has ever gone through that, that is not easy to share. Whether whether that's like you said, semi transparent or not. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that, you know, I, I don't want to thank you for the book in a way that um, it's super cool that you're an author and that you wrote a book. But I think because I've read a lot of these type of books, I think I have appreciated the fact that um, there's a lot of books that I bought like this that I get to about chapter two and I never read it again. Yeah. It's just full of bullshit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whether that person wrote that was scared to really ch- share the truth or not. But, uh, you know, I, I do want to thank you for this conversation, but I also want to thank you for writing that. And I want to thank you, um, you know, that whether you, you'll realize it someday when you get there, but um, the impact that you are having on the industry is very important. And, it's, and you're bringing a conversation that is not sound cliche, starting to hold the standard. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. So, I, yeah, thank you for welcoming us into your house and everything. Thank so, you. I'm so yeah. excited y'all are here. And yeah. We can experience Venice and the gym and do it proper. <laughs> yeah. It's it a pleasure. Yeah. So people do want to find out, you know, more about you. Uh, where do you like people to start with, with finding more about you? Yeah. Uh, you know, all the online education stuff, the, you know, coaches prep 101 and business prep 101 and the hold the standard summit. There's also some eBooks, uh, that hold the standard.com. Okay. Uh, there's a you know, two thousand plus articles at this point on um, <laughs> DeuceGym.com, and they're like two minute reads that are thoughtful and important, and um, you know, so you can check those out. And then yeah, I'm just I'm not hard to find social media at Functional Coach. Yeah, reach out. And book Amazon. Yeah, go to Amazon, check it out. Going right. You know, this book is uh, obviously I'm quite biased, but. Uh, <laughs> It's very timely and important. I don't think there's anybody who is born and lives a life and and dies without considering what is it that I'm doing here. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
you know, given the, that level of universal importance, um, I think we should look into this. And uh, this framework, I think, will help a lot of people. And uh, it's the book that you you gift, actually. I would agree. You know, with that. like it's. Yeah. I don't want to like ruin it for people, but if you're smart enough to buy it, you probably don't need it the most. Right? People that need it the most are the people that have their blinders on so strong that they think that they are in handcuffs and have no choice. Oh, I agree. And I've already, I mean, I'm hardly into chapter, I don't even know if I'm to chapter five yet, but I've already, it's already been able for me to see, oh, I can't wait to give this to someone. So, awesome. You know I mean? yeah, so, cool. But, well, awesome. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Um, you know, if you want to follow us, you can always follow us on any of the podcast platforms the good vibes only show otherwise you can check out our company at ruthless in pursuit on instagram um yeah so logan thank you thank you